Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. Sunday. It is time to jump into the rotation. We are here at 1714 West 7th Street in Ybor City where it all began. And it's time to What took you so long? I was late. I was late, but like you, you kept on going, so I had to interrupt you. That works, that works out just fine for me. That, that's, that's nice music to be interrupted with. Anyways, I'm your political director here from Suncoast Normal, Gary Stein. I'm here with the affable uh, stoner with all the answers who can't remember the questions, Carlos Ermita. What? <laughs> and from above the beltway, our, our executive director, Chris Cato, Trying to straighten out all the things that look like Peroni's disease in in DC. Hi, Kato. <laughs> Gary just had a in a dick it, joke Gary. just this early in the morning. I appreciate. I'm so it, sorry about that. It's Anyways, hilarious. first off, um, Chris, is there any, any any magic things happening over in Tel- in, uh, in DC right now? DC is the status quo, but I tell you what, there's some interesting happening in Mississippi. Uh, their Senate voted 47 to 5 in favor of legalizing medical marijuana. Now they're sending that bill to the House. But the Republican governor of Mississippi, Governor Tate Reeves, is threatening to veto the bill because he believes that 3.5 grams, one-eighth per day for medical marijuana patients, is too much. He believes that equals 11 joints a day. And I can tell you there is no way in hell you can squeeze 11 joints out of an eighth. Well, you know that uh, our, our good friend Irv Rosenfeld over in the Miami area, he's been getting 10 joints a day from the federal government now since the 1980s. So there is precedent there, at least, that we could fall back on. I'm just, I'm just thinking from a medical patient point of view, if you get the cones, the king-sized cones, you're going to get like three of those out of an eighth. If you got those one and a quarters, maybe five to six. But 11 joints is just... One is too much, and two, that's a scare tactic. And if you really are a sick patient and you got to smoke once an hour, that's still that's still no problem. Just I think these these prohibitionist governors in the South have to go, plain and simple. I think the stuff that that, that Herb smokes anyway is kind of like this University of Mississippi boof that yeah, uh, basically is covered with with mold and things of that sort. And uh, he did, he did, he gets nothing out of it other than just the medicinal situation, which is fine. What did he say? He told me once it was like 3% THC. Uh, apparently, apparently it works for him. Anyways, yeah. we have a special guest today. Uh, coming into us today from Miami, even though uh, everybody else is in Tallahassee and he has managed to, to escape that, that uh, morass over there. We have Representative Michael Greco. How are we doing today, Mike? Good morning, guys. Good morning, Representative. Morning. Mike, you you have filed a number of great bills so far this session, and I'm going to get I'm going to get in more depth to the uh, the uh, employee uh, protection plan, which is our bill that you have taken up. But I also want to mention uh, a bill that actually I I found out about, believe it or not, first on MSNBC. So you must be one of those Peloton using uh, Macchiato drinking. Uh, Avocado toast, folks. That uh, <laughs> yo, I had avocado toast for breakfast. <sighs> I think I think Marco Rubio actually What's does wrong? eat avocado toast, but oh. I'm not going to say. And <laughs> but uh, you you filed a House Bill a 781, Grayson's Law. Uh, could you give us a little bit of, of info in, in regards to the development of that law and, and what brought about the uh, writing of that bill? Absolutely, and uh, it's funny when when. MSNBC asked me to go on. I was on a Disney trip, so I had to make special uh, arrangements to go over to Tom Sawyer's Island so I could go somewhere where I could actually appear on MSNBC without all the noise of, of Magic Kingdom. It was it was a, quite the experience. But Grayson's Law is um, something that came out of a very unfortunate situation down here in South Florida. 
young man, four years old, was murdered by his father. And then his father again took his own life. And days earlier, Grayson's mom had gone to court, begged the judge to remove the child from the home, not because the father had ever abused the kid or ever threatened abuse, but he had threatened to kill Grayson's mom, Allie. Um, he had been, you know, she had undergone abuse for years, coercive control. They were, he was putting uh, GPS trackers on her car, all sorts of things. But, but in Florida law, if there's no nexus between threats to the parent and danger to the child, there was nothing much the judge could do. Days later, unfortunately, Grayson's father killed him and killed himself really as a different form of control or a different, a different form of domestic violence. So our bill which is moving, it's already moved into, it's already passed one committee in the Senate. We're expecting it to be in committee this week on the House side. Uh, our bill is, is, is set up to correct that and move the needle in, in another direction when it comes to domestic violence in general. Was this possibly a dropping of the ball in regards to uh, children and family services, or was it possibly the case manager that, that, that was not uh, following up as much? I know that my daughter had worked for one of the Eckerd agencies that lost their contracts this last year. They had her working out there 60 hours a week transporting kids back and forth between parents and foster homes. And sometimes they were sleeping on the floor when they couldn't get them to their, their parents fast enough. But that was part of the reason why they may have lost their contract. But is it possible that, that this was this was basically a, uh, a fault of the case manager. You know, there are so many stories like that. And for those that don't know, I'm also, I'm a practicing criminal defense attorney. I'm a former prosecutor. Uh, I'm the ranking minority member of the criminal justice subcommittee in the house. So I work very closely in, in all of those different spaces, but the answer is no, this was just a scenario where there was no indication that there was abuse or neglect. And it was strictly a very unwell parent that, or, or who thought that this was the path to further punish the other parent. And it's happened hundreds of times over the last decade in the US, preventable cases where a parent kills the child and or kills him or herself, all in like a sick twisted way of punishing or, or further abusing or controlling the other parent. So this is a bill that would correct what is essentially a gap in Florida law. Provided, of course, it's implemented properly, which is which is always a deal about policy. Great policy is only as good as its implementation oftentimes. Yeah, I mean, luckily, you know, you're talking about it being implemented through the court system. So it's less dependent upon bureaucracy and red tape and and the administrative piece of it. It's really just about application of the law in the courthouse and giving the judges the tools that they need I'm working with the Florida, uh, the, the Florida Bar Family Law Section to make sure that we get it right and working very closely with multiple attorneys, staff, judges to make sure that, that we accomplish what we're trying to accomplish, which is making sure that this never happens again. Yeah, we get our fair share of cases over that over here, too. We had that one gentleman who threw his, his, uh, his daughter off the, bri the Skyline Bridge a couple of years ago. Uh, I, think, I believe he's, he's in jail right now. Hopefully he's... Uh, getting his just deserves in regards to that is concerned, but we can't bring back the child. That's the problem. Uh, you also had a, a bill uh, to punish those people who have fake vaccination cards, something near and dear to my heart as a public health person. Maybe yes, sir. So, yeah, I mean, listen, there's, there's a way if somebody's manufacturing, distributing, selling, or even possessing, possessing a, a, a fake vaccination card, it, it's a violation of federal law, but, you know, the FBI's got bigger fish to fry. So the FBI's not sitting around, you know, at the ports and, and at airports and things like that, looking for fake vaccination cards. So it was it was an effort to try to create a system here in Florida and in the state system. It was dead upon filing. It wasn't going to move because, candidly, I don't think leadership wants to have that type of public conversation. I may file it as an amendment on a separate bill just to see if we can discuss it. But it was a uh, it was it was a shot. It, it you know got some headlines, and I think I made my point. But moving forward, uh, you know, listen, whether you're Joe Schmo on the street or whether you, you know, let's say play wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, you, uh, <laughs> you you should hypothetically speaking or formally, yes. uh, you you should not be uh, putting yourself out there as being vaccinated if you're not. Um, you know, I'd rather you either not tell me or tell me but don't lie to me about it. 
Uh, I think that it, it it's unfair enough that that we're 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 dealing with a pandemic and folks don't want to get involved and 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 do their part. But at the same time, don't lie to me about it. Don't lie to my kids about it. Don't lie to the public about it. And that was the real issue. So it it started some conversations and. You know, we we ended up withdrawing the bill so we could make room for the employee protection bill. Oh, fantastic! And we, and we greatly appreciate that. One more question in regard to the COVID thing: We've been in two two weeks of session so far, and uh, with all the the guard all the uh, guidelines kind of taken away by the don't uh, say guardrails. I hate that is that is. Uh, like I said guidelines. I, I, I you wanted myself. you almost said guardrails. That's worse than saying metrics. That's all they talk about in Tallahassee. Well, I, I don't. I don't speak Rodriguez speak, so I don't use the word <laughs> metrics. But uh, you know, what I'm wondering is how many legislators have already uh, caught COVID since the uh, session began. I know that Carlos Guillermo Smith did. Um, there was only a handful so far in the last couple of weeks. I don't think that they necessarily contracted it in Tallahassee um, with the Omicron variant, which thankfully it looks like it's on its way down very steeply, at least down here in South Florida, it is. But I, I don't know if people were getting it in Tallahassee. I, I, I have yet to have it at all. And uh, I, I feel kind of left out and I get tested every week up there. But it's not like it's, it's the typical Tallahassee Petri dish like it was last year. So there were a couple senators. Um, there was one senator they, they thought had COVID, but I don't think, think she did. And uh, one House member. So, so far we're doing okay. Oh, fantastic. Because I'm hanging out with two guys who have both gotten at least, what, twice? Yeah. Is that correct, Chris? I, I'm basically invincible at this point. No COVID <laughs> variant can hurt, hurt me, man. Carlos is at all the variants. Uh, Gary, I just happened to catch okay. it while I was uh, on vacation <laughs> in the Dominican Republic. So <laughs> oh, I see that. So that's, so that's it. That, that's part of the uh, non foreign, uh, non domestic. So that, that, that worked out just fine for you. But to get, get back to the big bill, of course, that we're all interested in, of course, is that the bill that we have been taking back and forth to Tallahassee now for close to about four years now, Chris, in regards to the employee protection bill. My daughter was affected by it because uh, she got into a car accident at lunch. They had her take a drug test. She, and she said, well, I have a medical card. And, uh, but she said that I haven't used since the weekend and here it was Wednesday. They made her take a test anyway, even though she was not responsible for the accident or anything. And of course she tested weekly positive and on Thursday she tested negative, but her performance was not bad. And then she was working 60 hours a week, but yet they told her that she had to cut up her medical card, never <laughs> use it again and be expected to be tested at least two to three times a week, every single week. Told her to cut up her medical card right in front of them. Why yes. didn't she tell us about this, man? Oh, like, that's, you haven't at least told me about actually, this. Mitch, this Mitch, Mitch Perry wrote an article about that, as a matter of fact. Really? Okay, maybe I need to read more. It, did, it, didn't, make, it didn't make things easier for her, but she's not the only one. I think there's also a case going up, coming up to the um, District Court of Appeals right now in regards to a case of a woman who lost her job for medical cannabis. And I think, I think, I think Minority is working on that one. I'm not certain. Well, we but, had uh, two two educators last year. One was a, a very popular teacher in Central Florida. Another one was a school administrator who actually got injured during a fight, uh, breaking up fight between two students. And both were utilizing medical marijuana to treat their their medical conditions. And both were discharged from their jobs. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the things that we did, and in part has to do with the fact that my wife is blind and she's dealt with the American with Disabilities Act. Is that the American Disabilities Act just basically says if you have a, a disabling condition, then employers have to give you accommodations. And so we, we kind of built that the, the law, the uh, the bill around that in the hopes that we work forward. Now, we we had to morph it. We had to bring it back to just public employees. And I guess the, the, they were said they were they didn't want to have a new just cause in regards to non-government employees. And that, that made things difficult. From a law standard, is it easier to go ahead and take care of the public employees first and then the, uh, the, the private sector afterwards? So the, the answer is yes, because, you know, we live in free Florida, right? So it, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it, we're, we're free and free market as long as it doesn't uh, upset uh, the opinions of the people who keep calling it free Florida. So, you know, employers can, can hire and fire and, and we're an at-will work state uh, unless, you know, you want to put a bunch of restrictions on, say, COVID. And then all of a sudden, it's not a free work state because that's not a politically popular thing to do. Um, on the medical marijuana space, it, it's 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 hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy to be to allow an employer to discriminate against somebody, to fire somebody, to not hire somebody 
because they're a patient. I'm a patient. Mm-hmm. I have a card. I'm, I'm very open about it, as is our, our agriculture commissioner and maybe a couple other elected officials. And, uh, you know, if somebody were to discriminate against me, they, they, they wouldn't have me walking away quietly. Um, I'm lucky. I'm my, I'm my own boss. So don't get me wrong. I want to fire myself all the time. But when if, but for actual employees, whether you work in healthcare, whether you work any job, uh, the, the fact that an employer can discriminate against you for being a patient, uh, you know, you can't as a state embrace the concept of medical marijuana, which is overwhelmingly popular um, and supported by the electorate, as well as I believe even the legislature. And I think the governor at some point, at some points has, has shown his support for the program. But then you say, oh, but, you know, even though we we agree with it, even though we recognize medical marijuana as a legitimate place of, of Florida's health, uh, we're going to allow employers to discriminate against people, even if they're not coming in under the influence. Uh, but just the fact that they either, you know, drop dirty or they have a card, they can be fired. It's, it's I think it's ridiculous. I don't think the bill's going to move. Um, I don't think leadership wants it to move, at least not in this session, for multiple reasons. But it's a conversation that needs to we need to continue to have, and it's a conversation that I have no problem, you know, being standing front, standing front and center, uh, supporting supporting the position that we all think is the right position. What is the thing we need to do to torque this thing so that it starts moving in the right direction and possibly get even at least get a hearing this session? <sighs> this session, nothing dead i mean it's not gonna move it's just i mean listen yeah you 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 want me to tell you about puppy dogs and ice cream i'll tell you about puppy dogs and ice cream or i'll be real with you i'd be like listen it is a it is a redistricting year yeah it is the second year of a term second year of a term in general half the bills move that move in the year before that's a given then cut it in half again because we're a redistricting year it's an election year you know three thousand bills will get filed maybe a couple hundred will get across the finish line. So this is just not the year, but just because it's not the year doesn't mean the bill doesn't need to get filed, that we don't need to talk about it, that we don't have that bill number. It's important. So Senator Polsky and myself are committed to the, to the issue. We will continue yeah. to be committed to the issue as you know, Representative Learned and uh, Representative Smith and, and, and several other of my colleagues who this is not a Republican or a Democrat issue. I'm sure if you got Senator Brandis on here, he'd be with us as well. But it's just not an it's just not enough people, and we're going to be losing Senator Brandis, uh, unfortunately, uh, who is a a a definitely the type of Republican that is supportive of having the conversation, the conversations that we're having today. Um, it's unfortunate, and I'm hoping that in the next cycle we do uh, have a couple more senators, whether they be Republicans or Democrats, who are supportive of the issue, you know, shameless plug, I'm running for Senate now. So (laughs) when, uh, when mid March comes around, feel free to support But this is uh, this is something that, listen, I've I've filed full rec, full rec bills. Uh, I've filed a bill last year and this year regarding psilocybin and and opening that up for research. And I'm sure you'll want to talk about that as well. Um, these are issues that are important to Floridians, especially Floridians who are struggling, you know, whether it be with mental health, whether it be physically and uh, whether it be medical marijuana, whether it be psilocybin or other psychedelics, we need to start, we need to stop being the last state to do stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep pushing the issues. Let me, let me ask you, you you're spending a, a, a lot of time opening up the conversation um, for a lot of great topics this, this session. Um, I, so, uh, and, and as normal, you know, that's really what we do. We, you know, we, we're, our intent is to normalize, legalize marijuana. Um, so this is a big responsibility. This is, you, we have to represent this culture in a very specific and very, very good way. And I think you're doing an awesome job in opening up the conversation and making sure this, the, you know, the politics in this state at least has the conversation going. Um, what do you think about this guy from Louisiana using his campaign ad um, and like sparking up a blunt? Do you think that's the right way to go about opening up the conversation? Oh, yeah, I saw that ad. That was interesting. Yeah. Do you think so that's the right way so or the wrong way? I, 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 do, I do have opinions. So it, when yeah. I, in my first year in the House back in 2019, 
Um, I filed a full rec bill and did a bunch of interviews from Colorado doing research. And, uh, but I didn't provide them with a full visual of, of lighting up. And I, the problem is, is that it's almost, it, it's almost given, given the finger to folks who still have reefer madness, folks who still are just so aggressively against it. And, I, and I'm not sure, I mean, maybe, listen, maybe he knows the numbers, maybe that works for him and for whatever he's running for in Louisiana, but I don't know for purposes of Floridians and where Florida's going that that's necessarily the optics that would work here. And I'm just talking about politics and being able to move the needle. I mean, I don't remember when we were pushing, when Florida for Care and, and these folks were pushing for the, the medical ballot measure, I don't remember seeing many commercials that you know had people lighting up, that had you know the same music that you have for the intro for your show. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I, think in, I think in order... Yeah, I, I don't think we need to be play, playing Sublime and and, uh, and 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 Bob Marley and 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 doing all of that because the, because there's a lot of folks that just don't get it. They just yeah. don't get it, and it takes years to have them get it. And I don't know if throwing images in their face, which are the images that they envision when we talk about recreational marijuana, when we talk about medical marijuana. You know, if if, if I'm pushing my psilocybin bill. I'm not going to sit there and start playing Pink, Pink Floyd and wearing tie-dye t-shirts. It's just, it just doesn't work. We've got to change the narrative to it being medicinal, to it being uh, clinical, to it being medical, um, and to it being something that, that is natural, that, that grows in the ground, as opposed to what people are used to, which are, you know, going to the pharmacy and, and, and just subjecting themselves to, you know, decades of big pharma. What is the basis of, of your, your psychedelics bill? So the, the, the psychedelics bill, I, I, this has been a, a multi-year plan. So, you know, my, my buddy Dustin Robinson down here in South Florida, uh, Mr. He and cannabis. I said, Mr. <laughs> cannabis Law, Mr. Psychedelic Law, uh, he and I go back many years and we started talking about the, the possibility of, of doing a psychedelics bill here in Florida. So last session, I filed a ridiculous 60-page bill, didn't even get a Senate sponsor, and it made international news. And there was a point to that. It wasn't going to go anywhere. And we knew that because it was year one. This year, I filed a one-page bill. And what did I do? I plagiarized a bill from, of all places, Texas. Texas, <laughs> last year, passed a psilocybin clinical study bill, state-sponsored clinical study bill from Texas. So I'm not one who wants to Texas my Florida, but I'll do it on this one. And I plagiarized their bill. It's a one-pager. Not sure if it's going to move this year. But by making a big deal out of it last year, I ended up finding support and advocates where you wouldn't think that you would find them, including the four-time four retired Republican sheriff from St. John's County, who is now one of our biggest advocates. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal to have someone like that from law enforcement pushing the the availability of psychedelics as a therapeutic for mental health, specifically when we're talking about PTSD and depression and for folks who are just resistant to traditional treatments. So we, we don't know if it's going to move this year. We're going to, we may even dial it down just to focus on treatment for veterans, just because we have a huge veteran community here in, in Florida. And maybe that's the angle, but there is an angle and uh, our next speaker coming in, I'm not going to be in the house next year. I'm either going to be in the Senate or I'm going to be on the street. But the speaker next year, he does come from the St. John's County area. And, uh, you know, we might have, have an angle to, to move it uh, the following year. Were they using any of the research from the MAPS Institute? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be part of it. That would be part of the that, that's that, that's part of the support that I've uh, I've used. But at the same time, that would be part of the staff analysis as well. And we're going to be using the data from other states, including Texas, uh, including, I think, Illinois and a few others that have, that have opened up to at least doing it in a controlled study environment. Now, Florida, of course, is, is one of the states that's notorious for its uh, low rating in regards to the mental health uh, use, mental health health care here in, in Florida. We have a lot more of our uh, mentally ill on the street or in, in prisons. 
or, or, or being Baker, Baker acted over and over and over again than those who are actually getting treatment because there's a lack of, uh, of treatment out there. Is there any way to possibly connect this to that, that particular problem and move it forward? Well, I mean, that's the argument that I make. The, the argument that I make is, is that either folks aren't getting the treatment that's currently available or they're just resistant to it. And it's no harm, no foul, you know, if it, and, and this is the issue is that folks who are, you know, just knee jerk against the idea of, of making psilocybin available in, even in, in, a, in a clinical environment, um, they use images and imagery like we talked about earlier, or they try to just give a false, they're trying to, to give a false dialogue about, about what's going on, which is, they think it's going to be out on the street. They think it's going to be something that people are taking home like a prescription. And I don't know if that's the future or not, but I can tell you that at least in the short term, the push is to do this in a controlled environment. It's not really a micro dosing long-term thing. We're talking about clinical trips. Uh, we're talking about controlled environments and we're talking about trying to help people, you know, just change, change their, change their lives. I know people who have gone through the process and we already have, you know, ketamine programs in place. And this is just, this is just expanding the availability and, and giving people options uh, where a lot of people just feel like they don't have any options anymore. And they either have to leave the state or leave the country in order to get the treatment that they need. And I think it's, it's, it's sad when we can just do it here. I, I have, I have told uh, Mr. Psychedelic Law every once in a while to dial back on the Peter Max illustrations to try to push his, uh, push the uh, agenda. Because again, the folks who need mental health, they don't want to see necessarily the giant tie-dye push and the, uh, the and the animated colors and flashes and things of that sort. They want to know that this is actually a path to mental health. So right, right. And, and and listen, and, I mean, folks that, and 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 we forget. I mean, I live in South Florida. You know, I can living in South Florida compared to Tallahassee is like living on Mars. So it's, uh, it's very different. So when I talk to folks, when I come back for the weekend, like I just, I'm literally sitting outside in a parking lot outside a kid's birthday party. And folks ask me like, what's it like up there in Tallahassee? I'm like, it's just very different. It's just very different. It's not foreign to me. I've got, you know, I've got family from upstate New York and, and, and different places. So I, you know, I, 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 can, I speak Republican. I speak, you know, to, I speak country, I speak rural, I speak urban, but for folks in South Florida, they don't get that in order to sell this, to a majority of the legislature, you do have to dial it down. You do have to kind of sanitize it a little bit. You know, I'd love to be able to talk about psilocybin use for, for dying with dignity or to address addiction, like smoking addictions, alcoholism. Uh, these are all things that were studied back in the 50s and 60s, and they're being studied now. The U.S. government, the, the FDA cleared it for, for breakthrough use several years ago, and now the FDA and the feds are funding their own studies. So yeah, this is, I'm not just like pulling this out to make headlines. This is, this is real. And you know, we're going to wake up five, 10 years from now, and this is going to be normal, no, normal, even with an AL, it's going to be normal. <laughs> um, I so, feel like it's difficult just to steer any conversation towards mental health. Like, you know, we, we like, for example, the homeless situation out here in in Ybor City, like we we tend to to, you know, get a job bum, like you know, like th this guy's obviously going to spend his money on drugs, but you you know you interact with these guys and their 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 mind is really you know what needs to be nurtured. Like it's these people are you know there's a community out here of of they've got first and last names and you know they have feelings and emotions and they. You know, they get up in the morning and, and, you know, they they give people a smile and they give, you know, they, they frown that their back hurts or some shit. You know, they're real fucking people. And, um, you know, the, uh, the issue isn't necessarily drug addiction. A lot of times they get arrested and they get thrown away. And you see them, you know, like they, they get thrown back out of the system and they're back out on the street and you see them, you know, they're, they're clean, you know, they feel good, they're happy, they're smiling. And, you know, sooner or later, the mental health just deteriorates and, you know, and, and they get and they get just back into the system. And then it's, you know, the drug use and the alcohol use. And I, I feel like we really don't spend enough time talking about the mental health issues so like for you to like be able to just like bring up an an option that could be 
uh, a possible solution, right? It is very brave of you, you know, because we're we're not even really talking about the problem. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and and I and I agree, and, and it, it, in Tallahassee, it sometimes the conversation sadly needs to be about money, mm-hmm. and trying to convince people that there's an ROI, like what you're talking about, the amount of money that gets spent, public dollars that gets spent on the arresting, prosecuting, housing folks who probably wouldn't be in that situation if it weren't for either an underdiagnosed or an undiagnosed mental health issue, dual diagnosis and a product of say, uh, a a product of drugs, alcohol, combination thereof. Um, I've seen it in my own family. Um, but luckily we had resources and we were able to, to address it. But at the same time, for, for a lot of folks, it, it, it ends up being, they become wards of the system and it becomes very expensive. Our, our prison system is at emergency. It, it, it's, it's, we, we're at emergency staffing at multiple locations. It's underfunded. It's, it's busting at the seams because the policies are, have generally been just lock everybody up, out of sight, out of mind. You know, right. it's not focused on treatment. It's not focused on prevention. It's not focused on recidivism. And I've been trying to change that dialogue as well. Over the summer, I was able to get some of my colleagues from across the aisle to go visit a couple prisons. And I try to do that more and more. And I challenge everybody, especially those making decisions in the criminal justice space, uh, to go ahead and, you know, we talk about prisons like it's something on television. Let's go see it. Let's go. There's one within driving distance. Let's go right now. So I spent the summer doing that. And I'm going to continue to do that, not to shame anybody, but to open their eyes. And I will tell you, the impact was there. And it's, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's definitely helped with a few. I just wish I could, you know, extrapolate that out to about a hundred other of my colleagues. Well, with the thanks, <laughs> thanks to uh, Mr. Inch, I was able to go ahead and tour the South Florida Reception Center, which I guess is the closest one to you. And I was surprised at the, as to the lack of air conditioning, as to the lack of just pure sanitation and people basically not even having enough towels to, wa- to wash their hands. And this is during Hold a time. On, when- lack of air conditioning. I'll, gi- I'll give you one. Do you know that in Florida, even landlords are not required to provide air conditioning? Yeah, that's one of your bills, I believe. <laughs> that is one of my bills and air conditioning was invented in Florida. So the fact that landlords do not have to do not have to legally provide air conditioning, they do have to re- provide heat by law. Landlords in Florida have to provide heat, but not air conditioning. But is there we don't a carve out for the nursing homes? What's that? Isn't there a carve out for the nursing homes that, that uh, Scott put in place? I don't remember. It, there might be, but they're not, they're not technically landlords. You know, mm, it's different. I, it's, I have to say, as heir to the uh, a fortune that was amassed by my father selling air conditioning in South Florida, <laughs> I support your bill, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but going, but no, but but going back to Gary's point about about the prisons. I mean, you go visit the prisons, and you have a lot of elderly, elderly infirm prisoners living in conditions that are borderline unlivable, and regardless as to whatever they did 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, you know, they're no threat to society anymore. There are states and even at the federal level, there are, there are places where they're reassessing how long you're going to hold somebody in prison because it's very, I mean, and again, it comes to money. It's very expensive. I mean, forget the humanitarian piece of it that we would all probably be having a longer conversation about, but breaking it down to the folks in Tallahassee, it's just very expensive. And the idea to, to house and to treat folks in, in prison who have major issues, and they're not a threat to the community anymore. They're not a threat to society. Um, there's got to be a better way to do it. Um, I don't know how we got off on this tangent, but it's a good tangent to be on. Well, actually, well, we said we topic. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead, Carlos. Well, I was going to say we, we started on initially, Carlos had brought up the issue of mental health and how he sees the homeless. Uh, going in and out of prison. My first job when I got out of the Air Force was working at St. Joseph's Hospital, you know, in the psych ward. And I saw that there were many people there who were on disability. And when they burned out their disability checks, the police would bring them, you know, to the hospital rather than to the jail in many cases uh, when they caught them on the streets. And they would stay there for three hots in the cot until uh, the social worker would discharge them. Um, 
And, and in many wet cases, there was nowhere for people to go. So you see this cycle of homelessness, this in and out of revolving door of our hospital psych wards, um, you know, the mental health facilities uh, not being adequate enough. And it goes back to what you said, Rodrigo, money. And, and here's the issue is that looking at these people who are being affected, these poor folks who in many ways, when the Olympics comes around to a major city, we want them to disappear. Oh, Atlanta, yeah. Yeah, we as a society, Tampa is a good one. You know, we as a society want these folks to not be visible. And that's the problem is that we, we devalue people's humanities too often um, in our society and in our state. I mean, we have private prison companies that write big checks to some of your colleagues across the aisle there in Tallahassee to keep their prisons full. And I've worked in a private youth facility uh, in my time. And I can tell you there were kids sleeping on the floor just so they could keep, you know, the, the, it at 100 percent capacity and being profitable at all times. So, you know, we definitely have a lot of reform to do when it comes to criminal justice and mental health in this in this state, in this country. Now, Rep. Greco, you are the, the ranking member this year, correctly, of, uh, of criminal justice and public safety, right? Yes, so sir. What, I have been for the last. This will be my fourth fourth year doing that. All right. So what is the possibility of those expungement bills uh, moving forward or any of the decrim bills we have set up this year for, for cannabis? No, nah, no, nah, not happening. I, mean, I remember a couple of years ago, we tried to fix the, uh, the, the concentrate felony rule. I think that and, yeah. and Rep. Jenny tried that. That, that. that went down in flames. Listen, they... They, they, in law school, they taught us KISS, keep it simple, stupid. And that's essentially what they're doing, at this, doing this year. All those types of bills in an election year create public dialogue that a lot of folks just don't want to have. Um, again, it's a different version of sweeping homeless off the street. You want to pretend like there's no problems and everything's wonderful and it's all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns, and they don't want to talk about the tough part. So bills like that are just not going to move. They don't want to have that conversation. The only expungement bill is essentially a juvenile expungement bill that impacts like 20,000 kids, uh, which is better than nothing, but it even got vetoed last year. We couldn't even get that one across the finish line. I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. You know, it, it, everybody wants to be tough on crime because that works. Apparently um, there's, there's a way to be tough on crime and, and to address the real threats to society and not, you know, essentially catch dolphins in the tuna net. And that's, that, that's what ends up happening is that a lot of people get caught up in that tough on crime system, especially when we're talking about marijuana, especially when we're talking about the, the disproportionate prosecutions and arrests for minorities when it comes to small time marijuana charges. But we're, the state's just not there yet. It's just not there until I think until rec becomes a reality. Uh, I, I just don't see Florida getting to a point where they're going to fully go back and look back at all of those those old marijuana cases and want to have them sealed or expunged. I got I got to ask you a question, and this might be off topic, but there there's been a recent uh, change in our population um, in this state, and I'm concerned on how it's going to change voting. Because everything has been, especially with like cannabis, everything has been really 50-50 with the state. Um, you know, as far as cannabis reform is concerned, like I, it's always been like, you know, we're, we're always fighting this 50% to 60% margin, right? Um, do you think all these people that moved in are, you know, masticating Republicans? <laughs> no, well, I, no, I think that... <laughs> It's been my experience, especially in South Florida, because we've had a huge influx of, of folks from New York, uh, uh, a lot of it just escaping quadruple taxation. You know, my, my father lives up there. He bitches about it all the time. Uh, you know, so pe whether it's people coming down here for a, a litany of reasons, I, I don't think that despite they may be independents or Republicans, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that it's a, it's a partisan issue where the same folks that are coming, they're coming down for specific reasons. And some of it's just to escape just being in New York City or, or being in, in, a, in a tight urban environment. Some of it's about taxation, some of it's about the weather, but I, I don't necessarily think that we're getting some of the conservatives, because that's different. Republican is one thing, conservative is something different. And mm. you know the conservatives, and not the conservatives that claim to be libertarians, 
because uh, I don't buy into that. But the but the true conservatives, I don't think that's what is that that's what we're seeing coming down to Florida. I think we're seeing more uh, Clinton Republicans um, or Reagan Democrats. I think we're seeing a lot more moderates, and I think it's more Reagan about finances. Oh well, yeah, I, I think he, he, yeah, it is for sure. <laughs> Jews for Reagan. I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, so I think that we're seeing we're seeing a lot more of the people coming down here for financial or quality of life reasons, and not because of some of the uh, more more far, far right or far left politics that we're talking about. I don't think that the needle is going to move in Florida on abortion. I don't think the needle is when it comes to the electorate. Um, I don't think the needle is going to move on those types of social issues, including uh, marijuana or recreational marijuana. I might be biased because uh, the, this studio uh, is in a store, a, a retail store in Ybor City, and that requires masks. And I swear to God, it's like the worst thing in the world to some people just to ask them to put a mask on for two seconds. And yeah, it's it's just crazy. I don't know. Especially lately, I feel like all these people that have moved in and like are just checking us out uh, just want to complain about the masks. Hey, listen, you know, if if you're being intellectually honest about being free, uh, uh, what's more free than having access to something that naturally grows in the ground? Yeah. Uh, I, I have that conversation. I, I have very – I'll meet with anybody. I, any of my constituents come up to, up to Tallahassee, I'll meet with them. I remember my first year meeting with folks from the Christian Coalition, and they sat down and they asked me, what are, they, what are you working on? I'm like, oh, I just filed a bill to legalize recreational marijuana. And they're like, oh, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. And I go, <laughs> yeah. And I go, do you read the Bible? And they go, yes. And I go, it talks about drinking wine, right? Do you recognize the fact that wine is more processed than marijuana that grows in the ground? And I thought their head was going to explode like something out of South Park. So it's 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 just you just got to continue to have that have that conversation but if you're thinking if you want to have a free free society free florida what's what's more free than than having access to that to something that's natural um you know you don't want to wear a mask fine don't wear a mask you don't want to get a vaccination vaccination don't get a vaccination that's fine but stay out of stay out of my weed stay out of my bedroom stay out of my wallet whatever the case is you want to be a libertarian be a libertarian there seems to be a hypocritical hip, uh, dichotomy over in Tallahassee, <laughs> where it's it, ideology applies to one situation but not to the other. Like, for instance, parents should be free to tell their kids you don't have to go to school with a mask or you might disinfect your teacher. Uh, but, however, when you go to school, if you feel uncomfortable at the fact that they're teaching something in history, which might – Oh, don't great, even get me going on this. Oh, my God. <laughs> don't. I'm sorry, but it's, that, we got to we got to block off another Sunday for that one. Yeah, I, I got you. It, 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 the, way, the way it's worded, though, it, it makes it sound very, you know, puppies and rainbows situation. If anybody feels uncomfortable, not just white folks, then they can go ahead and get rid of that. To me, that says you can't teach the Holocaust because there might be some Lutherans or Germans yeah, in the audience. That's exactly that's exactly it. You know, because they can't just limit it to what they call critical race theory, which to this day, there's not one elected official I've met or heard that can actually tell me what it is or where it's taught. Cause it's like a graduate level theory class. That's, I don't think it's even available in the state of Florida. I think it's only in like a handful of schools, but it's, you know, listen, it's, it's good red meat for, you know, for a certain segment of the community. Uh, but it's, it's, it's very upsetting. And it's, it's, it's triggered a lot of, a lot of pushback from, from a lot of moderates and a lot of the far left, and and it should, it absolutely should. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, the, the hypocrisy, I, I, I call it intellectual honesty, and that's what I talk about on the House floor all the time, because I, I it took me a few years to figure out what my job was in Tallahassee. And my job is to call balls and strikes and to grab the microphone and do what I'm doing right now, which is talking to the folks out in the public and talking to folks on the floor of the House and talking to the press and letting them all know that if somebody's going to be a hypocrite, I'm going to be the first one to grab the microphone and call them out on it. I don't care. Even if they're a Democrat, if they're a de if somebody's being a hypocrite as a Democrat, I'll grab the I don't care. It doesn't <laughs> matter who you are, but just be consistent because I'm keeping score and I'm going to make sure a lot of people are keeping score and I'm going to call you out on it. 
Rep Grico, uh, that sentiment is so refreshing to hear from an elected official in the state of Florida. You, you know, regardless of what party is, it is really about staying true to the people and doing right by the people. And we appreciate you being as a public servant. Every time I've ever engaged with you, I brought people to your office. You've always been welcoming. Um, you know, you've been a pro-union supporter uh, for, for our workers in the state. And, and we really do appreciate, you know, everything that you're doing to champion, uh, you know, for our, our public employees, um, you know, on the psilocybin bill, I can tell you up here in the DC area, it's decriminalized. So you can get access to it. And it was something that I was scared of at first because, you know, there is a lot of social stigma behind it. There is the whole uh, oh, bad trip, you know, t- type of deal, but it really does help with depression. It really does help with, with getting folks through the day when you microdose it properly. And I think that with the third largest veteran population in the state, this is a something, you know, we should move forward and look at and examine because not just cannabis but like you said uh, psilocybin and other alternative medicine treatments that can help our vets and even our first responders i mean we have an epidemic of police officers uh taking their lives after seeing some of the most horrid parts of humanity you know on their nine to five and that's a tough tough situation well, forget to the cops the fi- i mean listen the firefighters yeah you know the, we, we have i mean we have ptsd cooked in the statute for to, to protect our firefighters I mean, the, the things that these folks have to go through and see, you know, we all sit back in our cozy little houses and our cozy little apartments and, and you know, we're living our lives. And we don't have to see the things that they see every day, which is just it's just a regular Tuesday to them. And, you know, again, so the the, the occurrences of PTSD and depression uh, within amongst our firefighters and, and our law enforcement officers. I mean, the, the numbers are, are, are ballooning and, and yeah, coming up with alternate treatments for folks who are resistant to traditional medications. There's nothing wrong with trying it. There's nothing wrong with studying it, uh, even if they come back and they don't like the results. But I think it's a conversation we need to keep having. Well, I did write an amendment that, that Senator Palsy said she wasn't quite certain if she wanted to do it or not, but it basically is creates a, a study for, for, first, for first responders, which basically allows us to give, get a year of studying and to see if it actually affects performance if they're using it when they're off duty and not on call. And I think that, that that kind of thing is, is a step in the right direction if we can get it that far. So if you're interested, I have yeah. it written in South Korea, the language. Uh, now, now one thing I wanted to also bring up before we, we – I think we're still doing some good time here – is that uh, the OMMU, you know, those good guys who always come, – they come out and they do reports every once in a while and look like deer in the headlights to the folks in the committee. But uh, they, they, had, they, they put back a rule this last week that, that they had actually taken out a uh, week before. Uh-oh. There you go. Uh, in, in regards to how much you, uh, how much flour you can buy at one point in time, and confuse the heck out of everybody a second time. Uh, have you had a chance to get in, into the weeds in regards to this this rule and the work? I am not. I still don't. I still don't know what it means. Like I, I huh. I've got to say, I'm, I'm I'm scheduled to I'm to set up a meeting either this week or next week. So, so somebody explains to me what does that mean? Because I I listen. I'm a lawyer. I don't do math, uh, but between the math of it and what the what where it came from what the motivation is after you know having flour available now since 2019 uh, what what's the problem you know is this is this a solution looking for a problem is there something they're trying to address or is it just another you know fu to the the medical marijuana patient community that i don't know the, the answer is i don't know but I, I want say, to find out. At least in my opinion, I think it's a nephew to the medical marijuana community. And uh, from this patient's perspective, it actually doesn't affect me at all because I dab concentrates. I don't even fuck with flour because flour is too weak, right? Smoking, it's it's simple, right? They're just saying fuck you to smokers. That's all they're doing. Well, That's I, all they're doing. They're saying well, which, which is which is funny because they, it's funny because when we legalized hemp a few years ago. We essentially legalize the public consumption of, of 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 marijuana because it's it's essentially unenforceable on the street and in cars now. So until they want to fix mm-hmm. that glitch, I don't I don't I don't understand why they're going this way on the medical side. Well, it's it, my understanding that when Brandis originally wrote the flower bill back in uh, DeSantis's first uh, term, he basically said that you could buy up to two point five ounces for every thirty five day period, and you could possess no more than four ounces as the legal limit for possession at that point in time. 
And what folks were doing is that on day 34, they'd buy two and a half ounces. And on day one of the following period, they buy another two and a half ounces. So within a matter of a week, they got five ounces, which, which is one ounce above the legal limit, which they know that they're having because they couldn't possibly smoke two and a half ounces in, the, in a day or two. And so they figured, all right, well, we, we created, un, we had an unintended consequence of a loophole. Let's see if we can't, like I say, stick your finger in that loophole and give it a good digital exam. Well, it's silly. Sure, but, then, but, then, but then have, yeah, but then have a public conversation about it in the legislature. Don't do it in rulemaking, you know, kind of behind closed doors with like, you know, two guys in, in likely a not smoky room. Well, you know, that's the thing. If you do the math, it breaks down to what I was saying earlier about the, the Republican governor from Mississippi. It, it breaks down to less than an eighth a day uh, uh, for, 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 you know, smokers. So you're looking at maybe two joints a day is what that's going to break down to over the course of a month. I mean, that's, that is a big fuck you to, 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 yeah. to the community. You know, that said, an ounce here in Florida on the average, even on sale, is like 250. So if we talk about buying four ounces in a matter of a couple of days, you're talking about losing $1,000 out of your budget, which means how do you pay your rent that month? Well, and if I can be facetious for a moment, you know, it's not like people are racking up their allotments so they can go out and sell their corporate booth medical marijuana out to their buddies <laughs> on the streets. I'm sorry, but some of these dispensaries are putting out products that I don't care if you had uh, four ounces of it. No one's going to buy that bullshit. Right. No, and, and I get that. And then the, the question is, how's it going to affect the market? Is it going to is it going to cause another increase in prices to make to make medical marijuana less less available to to the average point. patient? Good point. I, I see that one of the few things we really need to do uh, in regards to uh, the, the price of products is, is get more damn licenses out there. But you, you've seen how the how the OMMU works. You're still working on the 2017 mandated license for, for for minorities, which is still has yet even had an application put out that that, that they can say was definitely going to go through because they, they claim that it's going to be opened up in March, but I don't even see that happening at that point in time. Right. I mean, we have uh, we don't have a free market. That, that that's that's one of the the free things we don't have here in Florida. And that, that causes a rise in prices and, uh, unfortunately, a decrease in quality. And we have a reciprocity bill that Brandis uh, filed for us this last year that I've already gotten flack from the, uh, the, the Tourist Council, which basically says we don't want pot tourists coming to Florida. And I said, well, I'll be honest with you, the average pot tourist is not going to come to Florida for product because they already know that we have overpriced uh, mids over uh, here. Uh, so why would you come to Florida for that when you can get it, get it at home? That, that's not what people come here for. They come here for Disney. <laughs> Is there any way to get around that, you think? No. I mean, listen, it, it, nobody – yeah, like you said, nobody's coming to Florida because medical marijuana is legal here. What is it legal in, like, 35 states? I mean, it's, it's not it, – we we're not offering some special brand of anything. I mean, it, we, it, we, it would simply just make it available to folks who are already coming here for other reasons, and whether it be Disney or the beach or the weather in general. So it's 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 kind of a ridiculous argument to say that we're going to have some sort of marijuana tourism. Like I, I never understood that. I thought that was kind of silly. You know what tourism it allows? It allows patients who want to enjoy the beach and Disney to come to Florida. As yeah. basically as opposed to you sneak it through TSA or, or drive all the way here from Colorado, so they don't have to go through TSA. But and but and they're already doing that right now anyway. We just don't want people to come here on vacation and leave on probation, as as, as Chris has often said. But we still have that happening here in Florida a lot. I hate to see it happen to senior citizens. It's already happening to the folks who come here for spring yeah, break. Listen, I, I agree with you, no matter how much it would negatively impact my law practice. <laughs> well, we'd like to see the expungement bills move through. We'd like to see the decrim bills go through. But now just looking at what bills are coming into committee first, I see the uh, the open government uh, uh, bills coming through in regards to OMMU. I saw, saw a, an appropriation bill that uh, Latvala filed for drug-free Florida to do a $100,000 study on maternal use of cannabis. And for those of us who know how to do clinical trials, $100,000 is not enough to do a, a, a clinical trial one year long that will have enough people in there to actually come up with an answer, unless you already have your answer first and looking to, to you know, work it backwards, that kind of well, situation. Well, Gary, hold on. How does an anti-drug nonprofit run a scientific study? That's the other thing. They don't have an, they don't have an IRB that, that, that is associated with them. They don't have the university set up that would automatically qualify exactly how they're doing it, make certain they're doing it right. So why are we wanting to spend $100,000 in a budget crunch year 
even though we're offering a billion dollars of uh, leisure cash to the governor, I think. Uh, oh, don't to, don't, to make... don't forget about don't forget about the election police. Oh yeah, yeah. We we, yeah. we can't forget the the, the uh, election army that they're working on right now as well. But I, I can't figure out. The, I told the, them. Uh, I told them I would I would support the election police, but they have to set up their headquarters at the villages. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said, Rev Greco. Sure. Well, Representative, it's about that time. Um, you've got a, a a bunch of conversations that you're trying to spark up. No pun intended here. Every pun right. intended. I, I just take one last time, let everybody know what you're trying to talk about this session, how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, so social media is painfully the best way to get in touch with me. Uh, I can, uh -huh. on most platforms, I'm at Mike underscore Greco. Uh, so that's the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, you can try to call the office, but you know, phones are kind of antiquated these days. Don't send us an email because you're going to go in the vortex with the other 750 people a day that send us emails. But that's the best way. If you direct message me, you're getting me. You're not getting my staff. Uh, you know, and listen, we're, we're doing everything. We've got bills moving about animal cruelty. Uh, we've got bills moving about domestic violence. We've got bills moving uh, about uh, autism treatment and, and funding for it, which is a huge uh, issue for, for me. It's something I've been carrying the torch for for many years. Uh, so listen. Uh, there's only so many hours in the day, but I try to use them all, especially during session to, to improve the lives of not just my constituents, but Floridians in general. And, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on and, and, and hearing me out. And it's great to hear your perspective as well. And I talk to, I talk to a couple of you throughout the process, um, every year and, and we'll continue to do it, but, but I'd love to, you know, hear from other folks as well, you know, both input, um, even if you don't like what I say, you know, let me know, maybe, maybe I got something wrong, but, uh. I'm willing to have that conversation. Well, from the standpoint of a lawyer, I have to ask you one more quick question in regards to the employee protection bill. Because of that, we're dealing with public employees and working within that that genre. Is it possible this will also help affect those folks who have to get state certification, like for nursing and teaching and things of that sort, to not lose their license? Not the way not the way it's written. Um, you know, it, it's written it's it's written in a way so it's so watered down that even it, it's it's i always talk about you want to hit a grand slam but even if you hit a single it's better than nothing it's better than striking out so right now we're, we're literally trying to hit a single trying to move the needle in the right direction and hopes it gets a hearing and hopes it can move so then we can have a bigger conversation the following year or two years down the road this is it's a marathon it's not a sprint on these types of issues all right well, we, we greatly appreciate you, you you taking your time and uh, sitting in your car and enjoying uh the rotation with us today so we can go ahead and get, get some things out i will see you this monday and wednesday in tallahassee i'll be out there with, with my mask on trying to figure out the elevators great all right guys listen thank you as always and uh talk to you soon gary all right and you know gary i want to join suncoast normal <laughs> yeah how do you do that uh well i i believe we got a website well, what's it called it's called suncoastnormal.org and what do you do when you get there oh man you just go ahead you just like click on become a member and then it's uh how much money is it it's 25 bucks right? 25 dollars that's that's two bits bucks. times 12 and, and what do you get for it you get a gold leaf pin right you get a pin and a membership card and a membership can, card oh my god which gosh. you can pick up at chillum <laughs> yeah oh my gosh and that membership card it while gets you're 20, getting your hemp wraps and it gets you 25 percent off anything here at chillum ballers so that is 25 percent off how do you make a living I, how do we do it volume you're taking money out of my <laughs> pocket at this point all right which is why you have no pockets uh, well i'm wearing jeans today he does not wear use cargo shorts i've been told that's a, that's a, that's a given <laughs> <laughs> hey you can also follow us on social media at suncoast normal and no r ml without right. the a we don't have jump any into rotation every sunday i know i saw some comments folks are like we need more people to hear this we need you to share the rotation so yeah. click share share it in your different facebook groups uh we're on That's facebook live we're on youtube we're on twitch and we're also live on suncoastnormal.org every sunday at 10 45 and so during this session i'm going to do as best i can to get more representatives and senators out here to go ahead and talk about what they're doing and how they think it's going to happen in tallahassee and we want you to be part of that part of the solution not part of the problem which you know who those guys are 
Gary, fantastic work getting, uh, you know, two solid state representatives back to back uh, for us, you know, and then also setting up some some key docs to kick off the year. You've done a great job of recruiting guests. So, Gary, you, thank you so much for making the rotation that much better. We appreciate you. Hey, Gary, yeah, we, man, we missed you in, in Tallahassee the other man. week. Carlos and I, we knocked it out in the park over in Tallahassee, didn't we? Yeah, we, we kind of like tag team that shit. Like we, Suncoast Normal had like an awesome presence. You know, it's just because me and Gary were there. And I showed him how to corner Spencer Roach. I, 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 that was scary. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member, because that is how you become part of the change. You can find The Rotation podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. But you can always join us in the rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website again is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary, and good night. Good night.